Broadcasting from a radioactive bunker deep inside the bracket compound, this is Show Spoilers Episode 2. This is our Game of Thrones Season 7 recap. I'm Kevin Brackett, and joining me is my co-host, Roger Roper. Hey, Roger. Hey, Kevin. Thank you so much. I uh, hope you had a wonderful Labor Day weekend here in the uh, States. I know we've got some global listeners, but this is a, a three-day weekend and I think that, that you know, it, it came at probably the worst time to have a three-day weekend. Like, how great would it have been to have an entire Sunday, if this was like a normal Game of Thrones season, to be able to, like, get just wasted on wine and watch Game of Thrones? Unfortunately, that was not the case. I, I got to catch up on, on Narcos Season 3, so that's how I spent my Sunday. That's great. No, I know. This was, uh, speaking of that, this is the first Sunday of this season without Game of Thrones. And it was funny yesterday. It's like I have an internal timer. Like when you get used to a work schedule and you can wake up without an alarm, it was the same kind of thing. It was 7.58 and I looked at my phone and I thought, what is what is wrong with this? What am I supposed to do? And I mean, two minutes before Game of Thrones start, I was automatically triggered and it, it just felt so wrong not going to HBO and turning it on, right? I definitely 100% agree with you on that one. You know, it's bonkers because, again, here in the States, um, I'm West Coast. You are Central. Right. You are in St. Louis. So Sundays for you and and, uh, and and myself have traditionally been during Game of Thrones seasons at the same time that football season is happening, for the most part, right? right. So all that we're going to have to look forward to on Sundays now is football. Like, I... I I much rather would have enjoyed football followed by Game of Thrones than no Game of Thrones at all. But yeah, how did you spend your Sunday? What did you do? You know, uh, my wife and I are actually, well, I'm rewatching How I Met Your Mother. She had never seen yeah. it. So we went from the very beginning. I don't know if you've ever seen that show, but nine seasons, we binged it in about probably less than a month's time. And we, oh, wow. we actually finished the show. And, you know, I was heartbroken all over again because the show is so good and the finale is so bad. And it just it, <laughs> it reminded me of, of how disappointing it was. And then I got to thinking, OK, Game of Thrones better not give me a disappointing finale because I love this show so much, just like I loved yeah. How I Met Your Mother and the whole experience of watching it season to season, week to week. It kind of bummed me out, but it was still fun, a fun ride. And let's just hope that this show doesn't pull that on us. <laughs> well, you know, speaking of sitcoms that our respective others have never seen, uh, my respective other has never seen Seinfeld. Oh, wow. So I'm starting her on season nine, and I'm going through all the hits that I never realized were in season nine. Like the Kramer shower disposal episode, that's season nine. There's so many great episodes, so many classic episodes that we think of from Seinfeld that are in season nine, which is the final season, yet they couldn't stick the landing. They had to come back on the Curb Your Enthusiasm to finish that, that outright, which we hope that Game of Thrones will, uh, will stick the landing here. One of my other favorite shows, Rick and Morty, that's on right now, was also not on. So <laughs> Rick and Morty tweeted out, they were like, yeah, no Game of Thrones, no new episode. I don't know, maybe watch Narco season three or read a book. I, you know, so like even they, they were feeling the, the effects of a, of a joyless Sunday, but I also got some fantasy football in. How was the response uh, of our first show? I know we kind of shocked the world by starting and launching a new show uh, right as a, a show was ending. What, what, what's been the response? You're you're keeping track of all of our numbers and everything. You know, we have had a great response. And so, first of all, I just want to thank you so much from myself, from Raj. It has been overwhelming the amount of feedback we've been getting, the emails, the tweets, the Facebook messages. Uh, again, thank you guys so much 
so much for jumping on this. I know that we're late to the game, as in we started our first episode with the finale. But what better show to to talk about, and what better finale than Game of Thrones? And so, thank you for all your passion and for enjoying the conversation that we're having. So it's been great, and I know we're going to get into a lot of fan discussion, a lot of those emails, tweets, so on and so forth. You may have found us from Real Spoilers. That's the other show I do weekly. We do two podcasts a week, and the first episode of Show Spoilers we put on that feed. But if you want to get the additional shows, so you're listening to this, obviously you found us somehow. If you're listening to us based on a link that we tweeted out, make sure you subscribe to Show Spoilers because in the future, every single show will be released on a separate feed. So if you're a Real Spoilers listener, Show Spoilers is separate. So I just want to make that clear that to get the episodes when they air and you're not depending on us to tweet it out or spread it on Facebook, just make sure you subscribe. So you can do that on iTunes. We're in the iTunes store. Search for Show Spoilers. If you're an Android listener, you can go to acast.com slash show spoilers. That's where we host the podcast. The technical RSS feed is rss.acast.com slash show spoilers. So if you need to add that manually, go ahead and do it. Also on Twitter, we're at all the spoilers. And if you want to email us, which a lot of people have done, which is great, email us at theshowspoilers at gmail.com. And we'll do our best to respond. And of course, add your discussion to ours when we do an episode. And we love that feedback. So Thank you again so much. Yeah, so the format for tonight's show is really going to be a recap of Season 7 with combined all the questions and comments that we've received either on Twitter, on the Facebook group, which I I think is open to the public. Is that correct? Yeah, if you go to Real Spoilers, you can find the League of Show Shares. So obviously, Real Spoilers listeners are familiar with it. For the newbies, go ahead and you can search League of Show Shares or Real Spoilers on Facebook. And we have this conversation that's going every day. People are talking about movies, television shows, remakes, reboots, past episodes, future episodes we should do. It's just a big conversation about pop culture, movies, television. Of course, it does center around the Real Spoilers podcast we put out. But you but you can add to the conversation with anything you want. It's it's open to anyone that wants to talk about anything, television shows, podcasts you listen to, you name it. So search for Real Spoilers on Facebook or the League of Show Shares, and that's where we do a lot of conversation. And you're, you're welcome to talk about Game of Thrones there as much as you want. Yeah, so uh, the topics that we'll be talking tonight are we got the top moments from Season 7. We're going to break that down for you. We're also going to be answering the questions such as, will Sansa give up Winterfell when Jon and Danny return? Uh, what the fuck happened to Elaria and Tyene? What can Valerian still do? Does the Golden Company mean we're going to see a certain character? How many people's minds will be blown when the Army of Dead is possibly defeated next season and so much more we're also going to introduce a segment we call the red keep diaries which are fan emails that we receive to the show spoilers at gmail.com and then we'll wrap up with something that will carry forward on show spoilers game of thrones we'll call it the fan green site of the week where they look into their three-eyed raven and kind of predict what may happen And I think for Mr. Robot, this may work out as kind of like the hack of the week or something like that. Some sort of fan theory that we just really, really like. So we're going to end there as well. So it's a packed show. We've got so much. Thank you so much for listening. With that being said, let's talk about the top moments from Season 7. What's the first top moment from Season 7? Well, I think we'd be remiss if we did not mention that cold open, which was Arya killing all of the Freys. 
I don't know if I can remember a more exciting and better way to open up a season of Game of Thrones. It was completely out of left field, in my opinion. I did not see it coming. How about you, Raj? Um, you, you know, a lot of people had talked about the Lady Stoneheart. This is one character that is featured in the books. If you're not familiar or you're not a book reader, Lady Stoneheart is essentially the uh, Beric Dondarrion or the Jon Snow of Catelyn Stark. And in the books, if I'm not mistaken, I'm not a book reader, but from what I understand, Lady Stoneheart's the one who comes back and kills the phrase for their betrayal at the Red Wedding. This time around, it was Arya. So to me, it was like, wow, I, I thought it was just the phrase celebrating. Yeah. And it was just like a mind blowing moment. I thought, what a great way to kick off this season. And so do you think in past seasons, do you do you remember of the television show, at least it opening as strongly as this one? Um, One of the topics that we talked about on chat on TV was the number of cold opens that Game of Thrones had done. And I think, if I'm not mistaken, there were four total that we that fans had written in and, and give us examples. Going back to earlier seasons, I think this has to rank up there in terms of awesome cold opens. It certainly set the tone for Arya throughout the season. The problem that I have with this is Arya, while she's been training to be a successful sword fighter and a warrior... Do you think she has the skills to, like, fight Brienne of Tarth and, like, best her? She almost seemed like a superhero to me. She was like the Black Widow of Winterfell. To me, with with all of her training with the faceless men and, and fighting, I, we, they did spend a good amount of time on her for almost an entire season going through that. And I think that she did a lot of behind-the-scenes training, as in it's not like we got whole episodes dedicated to her training. But there was a passage of time. She became an excellent fighter. It started all the way back in the first season with her, at least, beginnings of fighting. But I think with everything that she learned with the faceless men, the fact that she got out of that alive, as in she did all that training and she was blind. And I mean, she could have died, but then she was able to leave by her own decision and, and leave that whole group and get out of that. I feel like if she wasn't trained successfully, if she wasn't some kind of an excellent fighter and and have these abilities, that she wouldn't have been able to leave that situation. So I just don't think we saw the extent of her training, but that I feel like she's a pretty badass character at this point. I guess I'll chalk it up to Luke Skywalker in the original Star Wars movies, right? So Luke Skywalker goes to visit Yoda in Empire Strikes Back, and for most of the movie, he's training. He doesn't complete his thorough training, though. Yoda fails him. He leaves because he's got to go rescue his friends, and Empire ends up facing Darth Vader, gets his hand cut off, all that kind of stuff. I feel like that was kind of what Arya's arc was last season, right? She's not doing very well. She keeps getting bested, and she's going against the wishes of... Jacqueline. The Yoda of, of Bravos, so to speak, of, of the faceless men. She keeps going against his instructions. Then, all of a sudden, we're just supposed to believe that she shows up like Luke does. Shows up at Jabba's palace, you know, to kind of rescue her friends or whatever. So that's... I guess the problem that I have is that at least Luke went back to Yoda to complete his training. I don't know if Arya really, truly finished her training. Is she a member of the faceless men? Is she not? Who knows? I don't know. 
in either case, I loved the cold open. I think it was a great start to the season and a great way to kick it off. Moving forward off that point, so Samwell, obviously in his training in the Citadel, he discovers there's dragon glass at Dragonstone. So that was a very important discovery by him. So in between some great cuts of cleaning toilets and all of his, I mean, that was probably the gross out moment of the season. Would you agree with all the, you know, the toilet cleaning? It was cleaning? a moment that I think it was executed brilliantly in the fact that if you can make artistic cleansing of chamber pots mixed in with you know servitude of uh, a monk-like existence, then I think you're doing something right. And I really enjoyed their montages this season. The problem that I have with Samwell and his storyline and his arc this season is that it just seemed to be too convenient, right? Samwell was there to move the plot along. He was there to discover that, you know, R plus L equals A and the Cave of Convenience with Dragonglass. So I, for a character like Samwell, who I enjoy... And I think a lot of the audience has a connection to some people call up the, the, you know, the George R. R. Martin of the story for him to not progress as a character beyond just moving the story along, I think is I think is a disservice to the character, because in previous seasons, we've seen him do heroic things in a non-heroic way. Sure. I mean, do you remember when we first yeah, were introduced right. oh, to yeah, Samuel and when John was introduced to him and we were introduced to him and how he was pathetic and didn't do much of anything? And look at the character he's become. That's It's really been a great progression and a, and a great character yeah, arc Yeah, but I mean, all Samuel. the season he did was just go to the Citadel, right? I mean, some could argue that, okay, well, now sure. he's... He's discovered on, you know, how to cure dragon glass or whatever. But, but is that all that we're going to learn from Samwell? I would have, I really would have liked to have seen a reunion with he and his father and his brother to show the kind of man that he's become, the brave person that he's become. Unfortunately, we're not going to get that because one of the other things that happened was Randall and Dick Tarly uh, were roasted at uh, the Targaryen barbecue. Yeah, absolutely. And and that's unfortunate, too, because of the past conversations that his father had with Samwell and how he looked down upon him and why he sent him to the wall in the first place. It's just unfortunate that he's playing such a huge part in this story and he's never going to be able to prove himself to his father and to his brother and, and his family in that regard. It's a disappointing thing before they, they bit the dust. And I think that also it was it was an interesting question of do you do you think that was just a red herring as to make fans think is Daenerys turning into the Mad Queen or do you think that there was more to that decision that she made in that you know that I would moment? be more interested in the storyline if they didn't hook up if if Jon Snow and Daenerys didn't hook up because I think that's a more interesting storyline than will they or won't they Ross and Rachel of of Westeros you, you know so <laughs> not that I'm disappointed but I think that there's a lot of fans who are, are, are you know who think along the same lines of they could have done better the season was still good it was still great compared to other things on television other things other ways that you could spend your time however these are characters that you know we've spent so much time with over the last six seasons you certainly you know had visions of where they may take the story and in a shortened season certainly there were some things that they had to rush through and i think that that showed uh, in season seven and one of them being you know hey we've got to wrap up character arcs like randall and dick on tarly and randall was a character very similar to that of Tywin Lannister. He's old school Westeros. You know, he may be a dick, maybe a jerk, but there's at least a reason behind it, right? 
At least he went sure. out like a boss, though. You know, he wasn't he wasn't begging for his life like certain other characters. That's right. Uh, so other things that happened in the beginning of the season, Thoros shows Sandor, the Hound, a vision in the fire. Do you think that is going to come into play later? Are we going to get more of a story behind what he saw? Or or was that just uh, to Yeah, I'm going to table that because it's one of the questions that one of our listeners asked us on Twitter. So I'm going to table that one. But it certainly did raise some fan theories that uh, I received on Twitter uh, asking whether or not they actually believe that uh, Sandor Glegane is the, the prince that was promised because he was born of fire and ash and all that. No, I, I, I don't believe that. Euron promises Cersei a gift, and he ends up making good on that promise. We'll get into that more later. Kyburn creates the Scorpion. Now, this was a, a bone of contention for me when I saw the episode, because in the past, we've seen Kyburn and his scheming, and he came up with the mountain, basically brought him back from the dead, so to speak, and turned him into this monster that he is now. And when we saw the unveiling of his weapon against these dragons, and it was a big crossbow, it, it just fell a little flat to me. How did you feel with that reveal? You know, I think the impact of the scorpion was reduced when you saw the Night King, you know, do his Olympic-style anti-dragon throw in episode six. So it kind of defeated. But, you know, the, the, I think the scorpion did serve some really cool purposes. You talk about the, the loot train battle, the fact that we got to see one of my favorite characters, Braun utilize that and luckily they didn't kill the dragon then but it's an interesting siege weapon and i'm always a big fan when i get to see siege weapons used in movies or series like game of thrones i'm a subscriber of the i love trebuchets subreddit uh, on reddit but i feel like the character kyburn is like the is like the archer's resident med scientist dr uh, krieger right krieger is kyburn kyburn is krieger he just keeps doing crazy stuff. So I, I'd like to see Kyburn do more crazy stuff in season eight. But I think that the, the fact that they added the scorpion when they did, some people have uh, asked, will they affix spears tipped with dragon glass? And that's the way that they take down the, the Night King could be. But also this show could, you know, has been known to show something, especially in the season, and then never revisit that again. So we'll see. Sure. What about a dragon glass grenade? We've seen wildfire. If you could combine that with some dragon glass shrapnel that explodes around the whites, right? Yeah, yeah. I believe Tiago wrote in and said that they'll be dropping dragon glass bombs uh, from Drogon in season eight. We'll we'll see. I think that's taking things a little too far, but I think certainly we may see some trebuchets filled with wildfire and some scorpions uh, tipped with uh, dragon glass. One of the other big moments was Daenerys coming home to Dragonstone and of course that is where a lot of the Daenerys interactions took place. Of course there was the big meeting between Jon and her for the first time ever. People have been shipping these two together. We obviously know what happened in the end but this was a huge moment. I think that uh, it ranks amongst one of the top moments was seeing those two together and then of course all the the predictions and all the theories and everything that we're going to have to come all centered around her getting him there and him trying to prove that the Night King is a real threat. How does Dragonstone even exist as an island? There's, I mean, you look at it on the map, you look at the, the drawings, the renderings of it. There's no farmland. There's no, there's, uh, what kind of supplies could be in Dragonstone? I don't even know how it, it became a castle. Anyway. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it was neat. I would have liked to have seen, you know, some of the things other than the Cave of Convenience and, and, and the castle. 
But again, Dragonstone, it was meant uh, to signify Danny's homecoming and to serve as base for their operations. So, you know, it was neat to get there. It's neat to see it on the map in the beginning. Meanwhile, back at the Citadel, Sam cures Jorah, which was another big question mark. What is going to happen with Sir Jorah and, and his affliction that he has? And it, it ends up that Sam read some books. He was able to scrape off the grayscale and another one of those cringy, and not in a bad way, but just one of those moments where you see the pus and the scales getting scraped off. Again, I think that it was because of the rush season, the rush pace, I feel like I would have liked to have seen a little bit more of an in-depth process of the cure. We saw him scraping his skin off in one scene, and then I believe it was the beginning of the next episode. Jorah was leaving. They were sending him off. You're cured. Have a good day, sir. And, uh, you know, it felt a little bit rushed, but obviously that was a huge thing because no one anytime recently had cured Grayscale, and that was what earned uh, Samwell a little bit of a nod from the other Maesters. Yeah, you know, and I would have liked to have seen some of the Maesters give some props to my man Samwell. However, that being said, I do think it answered the question of what happens when you contract an STD in Westeros, uh, which looks very painful. So I'm glad that I live in the reality world of uh, 2017. Absolutely. Of course, one of the huge moments was Bran coming home to Winterfell, also Arya coming home. So those two moments, uh, they took place in in, uh, one episode after another. But Bran and Arya came home. We had a stark reunion with them and Sansa. Jaime taking Highgarden. This was another one. I believe it was while the Unsullied were marching upon Casterly Rock, Jaime and Bronn and their army were marching on Highgarden and they ended up repaying the Iron Bank with Lady Olena's gold and also killing her, but she was able to get one last jab in, and that was admitting to Jamie that she was the one that killed that yeah, cunt this is my Joffrey. Part of the season. If there's anything that I, I still root for that still makes me happy, you saw some of the pictures that came out of Dragon Con of the uh, the I think she was 85 or 87 year old woman dressed as Olena Tyrell but like had the meme glasses on like the deal with it meme glasses on and she was carrying around a sign that said it was me and her wheelchair was fashioned like the Iron Throne that is the most boss moment of season 7 when I look back at season 7 certain things I'll remember Dracarys during the uh, loot train battle whatever you want to call it and Lady Olena and I think Lady Olena edges out as my top moment of the season Strictly because there's no, like, what-the-fuck moment, such as Jamie being rescued by Braun out of the river in full armor. You know, it was just such a boss moment, like, fucking tell Cersei it was me right after she drinks the poison. Like, come on, it doesn't get any more Game of Thrones than that moment. Right, absolutely. And when you talk about someone that's playing the game, someone that's scheming, we're going to get into Baelish, Littlefinger later, but... This was a proper death and a proper way to go out for a character. And Lady Olena and and props to Diana Rigg, an amazing actress who's who's been around for so long. You know, she was in what was it the is the Avengers? Is like, that like like the British show the Avengers back in the not day? The, not the 
Joss Whedon of the British. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, she wasn't Scar like Scarlet uh, Black Widow or Scarlet Witch or anything. But no, she was in the the British like BBC Avengers. And I think that as an actress, she's incredible. I think that the casting when you talk about with her and Marjorie, it was amazing casting. And every time you saw her on screen, it was like, yeah, we're gonna get some Lady Elena. So I'm very happy that they were able to send her off, even though she was gonna die. She was able to get that last jab in at Joffrey. But then also for the, the right. development of Jamie's character, he's had quite a redemption since the beginning. I mean, remember season one, he's pushing kids out of towers, right? And, and having sex with his sister. Look how far that character has come. And this revelation was huge for him. And this is something that he was able to take back to Cersei later on in the season. So great moment. I agree with you. It's excellent, excellent part of season seven. Tiago, one of our listeners, wrote in. He said uh, he couldn't help but notice that the ridiculously named Loot Train Attack uh, should be renamed to the Blackwater Rush or Deep Purple Rush because it was a battle with smoke on the water and had fire in the sky. <laughs> so so I'm with Tiago on this. I think we should make a show spoilers stamp of approval on this by changing it from Loot Train Battle to Deep Purple Rush. Also, he thinks that he uh, that Jamie charged at Daenerys in sort of a suicide plan, kind of a death by suicide. We see this sometimes in real life where people want to die and they go point a gun at a cop, like an unloaded gun, right, knowing that they'll get shot. Because Jamie wanted to end the war and to do the right thing in his mind and be the knight he'd always wanted to be. According to Tiago, Jamie knows that it was a stupid plan with low odds of success, but that's how he wanted to go out. Do, do you believe that when he picked up the spear and started ch you know, charging at Danny in front of Drogon that he knew it was the wrong thing and he probably was going to die. You know, I it felt 100% natural for the character to do that. Now, in retrospect of, you know, if hindsight's 2020 type of thing, with the way they started the next episode, I am now 100% convinced that that was made a decision for a cliffhanger, and I'm really disappointed in that. But at the time, I was very convinced, and it felt very organic, that Jamie was trying to end the war, was trying to That's stop right. the Dragon Queen, and I, I thought it was a great move, and he was willing to sacrifice himself. He knew he was going to die. He was charging at a huge dragon, but it was his opportunity. He is a soldier and, and one of the best out there, and he saw the opportunity to kill Daenerys, who's commanding this army, and more importantly, commanding these three dragons, and uh, he took it. So I love the move, and I love Love the willingness to do what he had to do, but I was then disappointed with the whole reveal, the cold open, so to speak, when Bronn pulls out Jamie from that river and they just go about their business. And we touched about it last episode, so we don't need to go on about it. No. But when I saw that, I was like, are you kidding me? They're not going to explain it. They're not going to address it. It was just a way to end the episode with Jamie falling in the water credits. That was all it was. I think I think I speak for most of the audience and most of the responses I've seen on the internet. I think I think that's the low point of the season. If there's anything that the fan that really upset fans of a fantasy show with walking dead people, zombies, and ice dragons, it's probably that. It, it was probably the the pulling Jamie from the river with zero explanation, and then didn't get picked up by any of the forces that are there. But what what do you think hurt worse? being thrown and then being dragged up and almost drowning or learning that Cersei is pregnant. That's another one where I still don't know what she's up to. And we talked about it last episode that Cersei is an amazing manipulator 
And I don't know if this is another manipulation by her. My gut tells me it's a manipulation. I don't think she's pregnant, but she sure does have people believing she is. I think it's a, a her and Kyburn scheme. But when he found that out, I think it was a way to keep him on her side because he doesn't want to abandon his child. He has this sense of honor. And again, he's willing to sacrifice himself and do what it takes no matter what. So I, I feel like Jamie is an honor bound character. And this is her way to to trap him so to speak you know i i think that that was what kind of kept him around even longer than he would have otherwise but i don't know what do you think is she really pregnant i mean we talked about the valencar prophecy we talked about you know whether or not this will fulfill that prophecy now if she truly is pregnant again but then the numbers don't quite add up based on what we've read in the book and then in previous i think it was season four or five that intro but that being said i do think she's pregnant i do think it's jamie's I think that, you know, we'll probably see a a pregnant Cersei next. Okay. Should we start a pool? Yeah. Or a (laughs) Deadpool? No. Sorry. The big one was Gendry is back. This guy's been rowing for seasons. Obviously, he's been been working out. He's in good shape. We saw the return of him, which is something we've been waiting for, it feels like, forever now. And when he showed up, when Sir Davos went and, and finally found him, it was a great moment. So great to see him back. And hopefully we'll see more of him once we realized that he was the way to get the Raven to Daenerys in the end. I, we were hoping that his storyline didn't end at that. So let's see. We hope for more for Gendry. And he wasn't just the the means to get Daenerys to come and save the day. Yeah, if poor Rickon hadn't been burned alive uh, by Drogon, you could have seen the uh, Gendry and Rickon go on kind of a Westeros tour, kind of in a Magic Mike uh, review show. <laughs> Those guys, when they take off their shirts, look so hot. So amazing, and when he's wielding that hammer, you just know the female viewers of Game of Thrones. Again, my significant other was like, uh, so when's he going to take off his shirt again and start banging that hammer? And I was like, listen, settle down there. He's uh, he's, uh, he's across the wall. But yeah, no. Um, yeah, I think a lot of the female viewers were sad to see Dickon go, but at least they've still got Gendry. I think Gendry lives. We talk about that journey, that impossible task of going to capture a white for Cersei to prove to her that we need to have the truce to, to stop fighting amongst each other and fight this Night King and his insane white army. John and the, what, what do we want to call him? The, the Fellowship of the Bring? Bring a white to Cersei. Uh, I've heard Suicide Squad, you know, the, um, what were some of the others? The seven, the seven snowmerize, something like that. You know, yeah. And again, I don't want to say it's necessarily a low point. I just think that there are other zombie shows, specifically that of The Walking Dead, that did this more effectively. Did it, you know, once the white was brought into King's Landing and presented in front of everyone, that small council that was there with characters that we hadn't seen together in the same scene ever. I think that was a little bit more effective than the entire journey. Like, you talk about efficiency of story. If you say to us, we're going to reduce the number of shows from 10 to 7, but then you have an entire episode where characters are telling dick jokes dick i like dick oh cock you know what i mean like couldn't you have exchanged that for more of a storytelling of how you know Littlefinger was going to be brought down by Arya and and sansa i just felt like that was kind of a i don't know 
kind of a throwaway episode almost. Yeah, I, I see what you mean. And, and again, we don't, won't go into it here, but listen to the first episode. And we talked about the penultimate episodes, comparing them to previous seasons. And that was the episode that, that was this season's penultimate. And it just didn't feel to stack up to the others. So I'm with you there. I feel like they should have explained more about the Arya, Sansa, and Littlefinger connection, leaving out the scenes that they did cut that we've now found out were originally planned to show when their whole reveal was of Sansa versus Arya and and when they started working together against Littlefinger they cut that scene but then they left in a lot of that dialogue which was just not necessary so it's unfortunate that uh that that episode didn't go as as well as planned but you know no one bets a thousand again the other penultimate episodes have been fantastic so this one was a little weaker hopefully they clean it up and next season we'll have a great one well, I think there's two big things left uh, about Season 7 that people still talk about and will talk about until Season 8 de- debuts, what, 18 months from now. The first one <laughs> is the dragon, and again, people had been predicted this. I think it was part of the initial leaks that uh, I completely tried to stay away from. But the, the ice dragon, the fact that Viserys is, has fallen due to the uh, Night King throwing his ice spear at him, and now... Uh, he used Viser and he raised him from the dead. Uh, I'm sorry, Vis. Vis. We'll call him Vis. Vis the <laughs> dragon. Uh, he's riding him, uh, much like Toothless, and he takes down all of Eastwatch. Yeah, that was that was a huge moment that was predicted, and I'm like you. I stayed away from all the spoilers especially since we're off script from the books at this point. This is all new stuff, and so I don't want to hear these leaks. I don't want to hear all this stuff that, that people have you know, gone with their handy cams and zoomed in to see what someone's hair looked like one day, and, and they see that someone's sad on this day with this costume and this setting. I don't want to know about it. So you know, I stay away from all that, but it was, it was a moment that a lot of people predicted that uh, you know, one of the dragons would become the Night King's pet and, and a weapon because Daenerys has these three dragons, or had them at least. How is anyone going to stop her? We've seen in previous scenes and previous seasons what a dragon can do, and as they grow, the more damage they can inflict. And in this season, the loot train battle, which was probably my favorite scene of the entire season visually. If you go back and watch it, you can see so much influence from other films. It's just amazing the amount of... I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Yeah. Are you calling it the loot train or are you calling it the deep purple, the battle for deep purple rush? Oh, you didn't know what I was talking about. I'm sorry. <laughs> I, right. you know, I didn't even realize. That. <laughs> the, uh, the purple haze was was fantastic it really was visually uh, you know as a as a film nerd as someone that really appreciates cinematography and the artist storytelling for film and television i loved that scene i think it was really a high point visually and artistically for the entire season but we see the kind of damage a dragon can inflict and i think that people once you start having those abilities, it's kind of like Superman stories. How do you stop Superman, right? right? You have to keep coming up with amazing ways and, and fantastic stories and bad guys that are able to stack up against this god, this this amazing person with these incredible All right, well, powers. let me ask you this. You beat Superman with a green substance called what? Kryptonite. And underneath King's Landing, there's a green substance called? Wildfire? So could wildfire be the kryptonite that takes down the ice dragon? Well, you know, that's the question is, how are they going to wrap this up? And and we won't get too much into theories aside from what the listeners are writing in and, and some of the things that they are predicting based on season seven. 
But are we even going to get there? We only have, what is it? Is it going to be six episodes in season eight? Six episodes. Six episodes, but they're going to be supersized episodes. They're going to be long, but the question is, and we won't know for another year, year and a half at least, but are we even going to get to that point? Are we going to have, are we going to have to battle Daenerys dragons? Or is it only going to be the Night King and Ice Dragon against the other two dragons? Or are we even going to have to have a kryptonite for for the dragons i just i don't know are they gonna tie it up neatly or will cersei die in the process who knows what will happen but either way we got an ice dragon a lot of people predicted it it was a big moment people have hypothesized like tiago that the night king was created by the children of the forest right through magic that's how he came to life magic also brought back one of danny's dragons and possibly Magic was used when Danny's dragons were born. So, could that magic versus magic, because again, people have hypothesized that magic also helped brand the builder, build the wall. Is it a, you know, a magic versus magic, Voldemort versus Harry Potter moment, and the two of them clashing is the, what brought everything down? Yeah, it'll be inter- it'll be interesting to see what, what ends up happening. I The problem is, is that they've... I say problem, but again, we've had all of these episodes, we have all this book material, and then now all these, all this new material for the show, and it's, it's all come down to this one final season, and there's so much to wrap up. The question is, are they going to answer all our questions? Are we going to get this incredible battle for the throne in the end? Or is this battle against the Night King and against the Whites, is that going to somehow get everybody to play nice, or will it be collateral damage in the end? I don't know. We don't know. It's just there's only six episodes left, and and that's the biggest problem is time is running out. Yep, absolutely. The last big thing that happened uh, was, of course, Jon Snow confirmed as Aegon Targaryen, the 14th Aegon, uh, the second (laughs) Aegon by the same sun, and also boat sex. Boat sex happened with Aegon, Jon Snow, and Danny. Yeah, I would say you're talking about the ladies, and you're talking about our significant others, and Gendry, and Dickon, but uh, what it all came down to, I think, and I've been hearing about it for the last week straight, is Jon Snow's ass, right? Yeah. I, I, I mean, have you been dealing just, with the same thing? I just love how it's a throwback to like 1980s movies and just seeing man <laughs> buns again. You know, you know when you know when the man buns used to be like be like the epitome of male sexuality before right. you know pe- before push ups and abs before. Brad Pitt, you know, took off a shirt in Thelma and Louise. It was all about the buns, Mel Gibson's buns and Lethal Weapon and Lethal Weapon <laughs> Two. And and here now you're seeing Jon Snow with some some buns. Wait a minute, wasn't there also a show, New York uh, NYPD Blue with um, who's the guy, the redheaded guy? Now he's on CSI. Yeah, yeah hold on. sunglasses. I'm gonna have to David Caruso. David Caruso. Thank you. I think he was on it for like one or two seasons. But what gave him claim to fame was his ginger man buns that they showed on basic, you know, network television. And like, you know, we're like, oh, my God, you know, our kid's going to be okay with it. Now, when you see John, I think this is the same type of David Caruso on NYPD moment where like people are at the water coolers talking about man buns again. And for one, I am okay with this. You know, it's it's funny of all the things that we've seen in previous seasons, all the nudity, 
all the sex scenes. This season has been fairly yeah. tame, but the most talked about thing when you talk about sex scenes and nudity is Jon Snow's ass. Yeah. So Kit Harrington's ass. And I, I think that that is like the, the new secret weapon. I don't know. Maybe, maybe, uh, they'll distract Cersei with sure. it. I think they need to use it to their advantage <laughs> because apparently <laughs> as these supernatural powers, maybe even more than a dragon he's or got, a magical wall. He's got magic buns. Uh, do, he does. Also, people are talking about, is, is it weirder to sleep with your sister? Knowingly sleep with your sister or unknowingly sleep with your aunt who's roughly the same age you are? Well, both are pretty weird. Let's just uh, put that out there, first of yeah, all. But what would you uh, rather do? <laughs> is, that, is that really a, like a this or that? You have you to have decide to. one or the other? That's Mary Kill. No, you, yeah, you have to do, you have to choose. Would you rather knowingly hook up with your hot sister or unknowingly hook up with your hot aunt who's roughly the same age, but you have no idea? Well, I mean, unknowingly, I think would be hands down the way to do it because you you don't know. So what you know, up until that point, I mean, what's you just have no idea. You've got this beautiful woman and this beautiful man, and they don't know any relation to each other. So ignorance is bliss, right? You don't want to know. I don't know how Jamie and Cersei. I guess it's a different time, but I don't know how that whole thing works. <laughs> that that would that's a deal breaker for me yeah, right there. Yeah. So the genetics of it make more sense, right? I mean, I you know we <laughs> additional DNA floating around in there. Right, exactly. If you have to choose one, you're talking from a genetic standpoint. Yeah, I think that the uh, aunt thing is is going to be better off for their for their heirs uh, right. than the brother sister thing. Yeah, I mean, if we have to choose one again, this is a tough decision yeah. because I'm thinking like go the various route and neither. Yeah. But you know, exactly. So that does it for all of our top moments of season seven. If there's anything you missed, anything that you think should have been included in this, please write us on our Twitter page at all the spoilers or by emailing us the show spoilers at gmail.com. Now coming up in part two, we will dive into fan emails, questions, theories, and a possible spoiler for season eight. That'll come up in our next episode. Uh, part two of show spoilers spoils the recap of season seven of game of thrones. Thanks for listening, everyone. We'll talk to you soon.